Our text is in 1 Samuel chapter number 16. We're continuing a series on the life of David. Started last week with it, beginning now in 1 Samuel 16. Today, we continue our series on the life of David. There's an old saying that's used to encourage people to keep trying, to keep learning, to build character, not to give up. My mother said it many times, <laughs> and that is, practice makes perfect. And it is especially used by musicians. Practice makes perfect. Of course, it means play the song over and over, rehearse it, repeat it until you get it right. And practice will train your fingers to move and your voice to be controlled. Practice trains your ear to hear. And more than that, it trains your musicianship, that is your interpretation of music. Is it slow or is it fast? Is it loud or is it soft? Is it driving or is it lingering? And the only way to make good music is to practice. <coughs> Luciano Pavarotti was a great singer, one of the best tenors of our time. And he said this about his music. He said, if I miss one day of practice, I can tell by the way I sound when I sing. He said, if I miss two days of practice, the critics can tell. And if I miss three days of practice, the whole world knows. So it's a rule of music you must practice. It's a very disciplined approach to things. When I played in competition, you had to play scales. La, 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 And though there are 12 major scales, and I had to play them in competition, so I started with a C scale, and I worked my way up. If I made a mistake, I started over. Whatever mistake, just start over, play them again. Which meant I might play 100 scales before I got each one right. When I was practicing at one point, I practiced for three hours at a time. I have met some wonderful players in my life, but they all had one thing in common, practice makes perfect. Play it again, <laughs> and again, and again. Our text today there develops a strange situation, and a musician is needed to play soft, sweet music. And so we'll see what situation develops and who the musician turns out to be. 1 Samuel chapter number 16, and I'm beginning at verse number 14. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servants said unto him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. Let our Lord now command thy servants which are before thee, to seek out a man who is a cunning player on a harp. And it shall come to pass, when the evil spirit from God is upon thee, he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. Saul is the king of Israel, and he gets in a vile mood. He's angry, he's sulking, he's depressed and melancholy. And to get him out of the bad mood, his counselors suggest that he gets someone to play soothing music on a harp. Now, that's not a great big harp like Harpo Marx played, okay? Uh, 
In those days, a harp was a U-shaped, small piece of wood with ten strings across it, not steel strings like we use, uh, but most likely dried intestine of animal, something that would stretch. And so it's a very primitive instrument, hard to play. And you had to both pluck it and then strum it. And this harp playing is a recommended antidote for King Saul's bad mood. Verse number 17. Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well and bring him to me. And answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning in playing, a mighty man, valiant man, a man of war, prudent in manners, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. Therefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse and said, Send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. Jesse took an ass laden with bread and a bottle of wine, and a kid sent them by David his son unto Saul. And David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor-bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took a harp, played with his hand, so Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. Now I want to carefully look at what Saul's servants said about David. Now remember, he's still a teenager. And recall from last week, we said David, considered insignificant by his family, was given the job of tending a flock of sheep. And Saul's servants say, yes, he is a shepherd, but he happens to be a very good musician who plays a very good harp, which now you and I know what that means. It means he practiced a lot. No one gets a reputation unless they follow the old rule, practice makes perfect. But they also say that David is a mighty man of valor and a man of war. David has never fought in any war. He's a teenager. So how does he come by the reputation of being a brave man of war? He tends sheep. He doesn't fight wars, but he's got a reputation as a man of war. Yes, let's hear from David's own mouth how he got the reputation in 1 Samuel 17, the next chapter. I'm looking at verse number 34. And David said to Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. There came a lion and a bear, and he took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. <laughs> wow, I tell you what, there's two animals I never want to tangle with. A bear has a tremendous strength in those arms of his. Uh, my brother used to work on a wildlife preserve in Pennsylvania, and they had 5,000 acres all fenced in. They had elk and uh, um, red deer, mouflon sheep, white-tailed deer in the preserve. 
And they fed grain to the animals in wooden boxes attached to trees. And these boxes were about three foot high by two foot wide. And uh, they were made of one inch oak boards. And occasionally my brother would find one of these oak board feeders smashed to smithereens. The local bears would climb over the 10 foot fence and come into the preserve, eat the grain out of the feeder. And when the grain was gone, the bears got mad. And they smashed the oak, one inch oak board into pieces. Hungry, bad tempered, and powerful. You do not want to go against any animal that can take one inch oak boards and turn it into toothpicks. No, no, stay away from the bear. Lions, even worse. You've seen TV specials where a lion jumps on a zebra or a wildebeest or whatever and bites into their back and grabs all four legs and hangs on. They are killing machines with instinct to attack, hang on, and kill their prey. David said he had both a lion and a bear attack his sheep. And he rescued the lamb from the lion. And when the lion turned on David, he grabbed him by his mane <laughs> and killed the lion. I guess that is a man of war, isn't it? No doubt he had the skins of both of them as proof of his adventure. The word got out. David killed a lion and a bear. But there's more. Saul's servant said that David is prudent in manners, or that is, he's wise in the way he behaves. And he's also, they said he's good looking, red hair and all, see? <laughs> and the last comment they make is the Lord is with him. So Saul agrees. David comes with gifts from Jesse to Saul. And when Saul's in a bad mood, David plays him out on that bad, of that bad mood with beautiful, well-rehearsed harp music. And Saul is satisfied. And it says Saul loves David. Now, at that point in the story, there's two questions screaming in my mind. And I hope you already have asked these two questions as we've read our text. Number one, how did David, a teenager, kill a lion and a bear? Of course, he's got no rifle. He doesn't have gunpowder. doesn't have a crossbow or bow and arrows. How in the world did David grab a lion by his mane and kill him? Well, that's the question. Let's not stop there. How did a teenager get to be very wise? Now, one thing we do know, he got to be a good harp player by practice. No other way. Practice makes perfect. I'm sure Saul asked the very same questions when they told him about David. And the answer was given, well, the Lord is with David. Well, the Lord is with me, but I'd never grab a lion by his mane. All right? 
There must be something more in it. And there is something more in it. We read it last week. Now, 1 Samuel 16, we read in verse 13 last week, Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So it was David had anointed. That is, he was given the Spirit of God in a very special way. God chose David to be the next king. Why did he choose him? Why indeed? Because David already had qualities and characteristic traits that God loved. God saw in David special things, wonderful things. He played the harp. Does God love harp players? Well, no, it's not the harp. It's the practice. Over and over, the discipline. Over and over, the self-control. Over and over, David never gives up. God loves that. And David has wisdom. Where did he get it? The Bible says if any man lacks wisdom, he can ask God, and God will give it liberally and freely. David has a spirit that cooperates with God. David, full of determination, full of self-control, full of wisdom. And one more thing, he is full of faith. Believe me, he's got a boundless confidence in God. When you, you grab a lion by the mane, rest assured, he believes in God. He knows God will help him, not ten minutes from now. When you grab a lion by the mane, it's now or never. Now. By faith, he grabs the lion's mane. You recall another man of faith named Samson who also grabbed the lion and killed it and God gave him superhuman strength to do it and I have no doubt, none whatsoever, that David knew the story of Samson and David was also given superhuman strength. How else do you kill a lion with your bare hands? So here's a teenage boy who believes in God, who never quits, who says we will never surrender, who has wisdom from God far beyond his years, who was chosen by God because he fully cooperates with God. And God now has given him special anointing, extra of all those things, extra strength and extra power. He has God's spirit in all of its fullness resting on him. Now, the authors of the Bible were inspired to write and they wrote very well. God wants us to learn something very important. So listen to just how it reads. 1 Samuel 16, let's read again in verse 13. Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Verse 14, but the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. Two opposites. David, Spirit of the Lord resting on him. Saul, the Spirit of the Lord departed from him. Now you ask, Saul is abandoned by God. The second question I have is, why did God do that? An evil spirit rests on God, on Saul. Why? Why is Saul abandoned? 
did God actually send an evil spirit? Well, there's a series of events. We haven't got time to go through all of them today. But they happened in God, in Saul's life, one after the other. And we finally come to the one that you would say is the straw that broke the camel's back. The final one. And God sent Samuel to King Saul, and he told him, Go fight the Amalekite, and I want you to kill everything and everyone, no survivors. That means all the animals, all the flocks, all the herds, and all the people, no survivors. It was God's judgment on that group of people because they had sinned to an extreme extent. And so King Saul went and he fought the Amalekites. But he had in himself a spirit much different from David. A spirit that said, nobody is going to tell me what to do. But Saul, God said it. And he sent Samuel, his personal spokesman, to tell you. I don't care if it's Samuel or God. Saul says, no, I'll do what I want to do. No cooperation with God. So Saul saved all the Amalekite flocks of sheep, teams of oxen, and brought them home. And Samuel went to see Saul, and he says, I hear the bleeding of sheep in my ears, and I hear the lowing of oxen. Saul made an excuse. Saul said, look, what I did is okay. It's okay that I chose to do it a different way. I planned to sacrifice all those sheep that I brought home to God. So what I did was right. And Samuel said those famous words to him. Obedience is better than sacrifice. So Saul, who first refused to do what God said, refused to cooperate, has been abandoned by God. And instead of peace and blessing that comes from doing what God asked, God has now sent him an evil spirit. And I think it might have Come out of his own heart, if you wonder. Saul is troubled and he's angry, depressed. He's just plain miserable. My friends, the tragic part of this story is Saul's servants who gave the worst advice. kind of advice that this world will give you any day you ask it. Saul, you just leave a little music and you'll feel so much better. Nice, soothing music is all you need. No, my friend, that is not what Saul needed. 
He doesn't need a harp player to mesmerize him out of his dark and evil moods. He needs to repent. He needs to go to God and say, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? Forgive me for my stubborn, foolish ways. Forgive me for thinking nobody's going to tell me what to do. Oh, God, I want to cooperate. I want to do what you tell me to do. God, help me. That's what he needed to do. But no, what is it? Instead, just play a little music until I feel better. My friends, the best music in the world is no good for you if you refuse to cooperate with God. Saul says, no, I will not obey. I'll sacrifice hundreds of sheep, but I will not obey. And so it was abandoned by God. Evil things came to Saul. And he did nothing to correct this situation. It's a tragic story for Saul. But God has a man who will cooperate. God has a man who will obey. God has a man who will listen and be wise. And God has a man who will be a man after God's own heart. And this passage shows the contrast between those two men. Saul, a failure, a miserable failure, who will not listen neither to Samuel or to God. And David, a man who never quits, who believes, full of faith, who listens to God. It is a really strange situation. Old King Saul has called David to play harp for him. David obeys. Picture it in your mind. A king in turmoil, in an evil, vile mood, sitting on his couch. And a boy full of faith in God, sitting on the floor, playing his song. It's an amazing contrast. And Saul doesn't know it, but his successor is playing the music and soothes Saul into sleep. And Saul says, I'm happy now. Thanks for the music. Rest assured, my friends, it won't last long. The evil will return to Saul. David will survive. My friends, and it's a warning for us. Be careful. God will not abandon you unless you abandon him. Saul tried to excuse his disobedience, but God abandoned him. My friends, David's example is the one to follow. Cooperate with God. Work hard at what you do. God will see and bless and give power and wisdom to those who follow his leading. The promise is from Jesus, I will give the Holy Spirit to them who ask. The contrast is clear. Saul, who won't do what God says, is now in a vile, miserable mood. God has removed the blessing. But ever stubborn, Saul refuses to repent. David, because he believed in God and was wise and would display discipline and self-control, is chosen for an anointing, extra power, extra grace, extra blessing. Who would you choose as your example? Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you.
for the story of David and Saul. As it unfolds, we ask you help us to see the difference, to know how we treat God and the way we look at God, how we act toward him is the most important thing in our life. Bless us, Lord, as we pursue you and be like David. Help us to be people after God's own heart. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. In closing, I'd like you to turn your hymn books, hymn number 216, hymn number 216, standing as we sing, 216, I surrender all. Page 216.
would help us to come to you to surrender not just the things that we want to, not to say like Saul, we'll make a sacrifice even though that wasn't what you asked for. We just pray that our hearts would be obedient and we would surrender each part of our life, all the parts that we want to hang on to, all the parts that have been so stubborn and get rid, getting rid of in our life. We pray that we would give them over to you and that we would go for obedience. Look to you for strength and for your spirit. Like David did, doing the things that seem impossible that stand before us. We pray that we would seek after you, come close to you, and live in such a way that we draw nearer to you each day. We pray that we would look for that life of surrender, and not of life uh, where we live for our own will. We thank you for all of these things, and we ask for care and protection on all these people. Watch over them, bring them back to this place safely.